everybody, welcome to Renewing the Center. This is Chris. We read the lectionary here. Uh, it's a way to dig into God's Word using one of the beautiful treasures of our Anglican tradition. Um, if you are anything like me, um, you've struggled historically to have a Bible reading plan. And gosh, one of the things that moved me into Anglicanism uh, was just the beauty and the tradition of the daily lectionary, having a beautifully comprehensive multi-year Bible reading plan. Uh, when I found that many years ago, uh, started reading the Bible in a more systematic way, a more reflective way. And um, it was long before I actually brought our church and to the Anglican communion and became an Anglican priest. Um, so one of the reasons why this podcast is so meaningful for me is just that the Daily Lectionary is a treasure, a gift, and I hope you receive it as such. One of the readings um, today is from John 6, and we're going to read just a short passage, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of background, um, not not tons, but just a little bit, and then say something connected to the last podcast episode. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, go ahead and hit pause and jump back to the one posted on the 10th of January, and then come back to this one. John 6. Verse 22, the next day the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there. They also saw that Jesus had not got into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. And then some of the boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would give us insight into this seemingly odd little chunk of the Bible of people not knowing where Jesus is and thinking about boats and going and hunting for him, looking for him. God, I pray that you would help us to hear and see uh, this passage and the verses around it in light of the call uh, that we reflected on in the last episode around rhythms, finding rhythms. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So a lot's happening in this section of John's gospel. Uh, John the baptizer, Jesus' cousin, uh, has been killed, been beheaded tragically. Um, Jesus is really sad about that. Uh, what we see, if you back up, is that uh, Jesus... Um, had fed the 5,000. Um, he was uh, performing miracles. Um, beautiful things are happening in John's gospel. And then he sends his disciples out on the boat, and then we're told that Jesus goes up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And if you read between the lines in John's gospel, um, Jesus was dealing with uh, grief around John's death, and then he was surrounded by need, ministry, so he was engaging. And then when the ministry ended, rather than moving directly into more engagement, what Jesus does is he actually takes time to be by himself. He climbs up a mountain alone to pray and spend the night by himself. And I will tell you, I've read the Bible and John's gospel so many times. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I was feeling the need to take some time to process some things that life would never really give me permission to process, but I needed to process, that I began to see that Jesus did what he did. He was feeling a need to, to grieve and to be alone in solitude, to be renewed. But the ministry demands around him kept him from doing that, and he faithfully engages. He just does the stuff. He's feeding the hordes. He's ministering. 
But as soon as he has an opportunity, he doesn't forget his need to be alone. Again, this is back to the idea of rhythms. Retreat and engagement. Retreat and engagement. If life is only ever just an engagement, we wear ourselves out and we become unaware of what we're actually feeling. Uh, we, we become unaware of how low our tank is. We sometimes then act out in sinful or unhelpful, inappropriate ways. Conversely, if life is all, always a retreat, if we're always avoiding engagement, if we're always trying to rest and relax and uh, being alone and be sol solitary on top of a mountain, we're not living the full life that God's called us to live in and among people seeing his kingdom advance. Jesus did both. We have to be people of rhythm. And what we see in Jesus is this commitment to rhythm. Retreat, engagement, retreat, engagement, retreat, engagement. The reason why I picked this passage today is really because of how it's situated. It's situated within all that I just told you about. Jesus does what he needs to do to take care of himself. He also puts his disciples in a place where they're going to have to take care of themselves, where they're going to have to figure some things out. What has just happened in the verses immediately before what we read today is that when Jesus goes up onto a mountain to be by himself, to grieve and to pray and to be with God, his disciples end up rowing themselves into a mess. They're out there on the middle of the lake. The wind is against them. They're kind of stuck in the middle. And I look at that and think, gosh, I mean, it actually happened. I, I think gospel, when you read the gospels, you know, you've probably heard me say a few times when we're reading about Noah and the ark, like we just did a, a few episodes ago, you can read that on a number of levels. It could be that a, a flood did cover the whole earth or that it was just a really big flood. But when we're getting into the gospels, this stuff happened as it says, it's a different literary genre than, than Genesis or the prophets. Um, for sure than like uh, Jonah. This, I believe, actually happened. Jesus puts his friends out. His friends are like in the middle, uh, which is also symbolic, real and symbolic. They're stuck in the middle. And there have been so many times in my life where I felt like I was stuck in the middle. I was too far out to get back and too far away from where I wanted to go to get where I wanted to go. And then the wind is blowing against me and I just feel stuck. That might be exactly where you find yourself right now. So what happens there? They seemingly feel alone, and yet Jesus moves toward them by walking on the water. He transcends the thing that's overwhelming them. But the reason why he has to walk on the water is that he had sent them out on their own, and he had stayed back to climb a mountain and be by himself, to take care of himself. So the miracle of the walking on the water wouldn't have had to happen or wouldn't have happened if Jesus had not taken care of the rhythm of life, of retreat and engagement. He's taking care of himself. Then he moves out toward his friends. But here's the thing that I find so interesting. Um, when people begin to deduce and figure out, like, wait, Jesus didn't go with them, but he's not here. Where is Jesus? That last verse... So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. That word looking in the Greek language is a really aggressive word. It's actually kind of a violent word. It, it, it would better be translated in English. They hunted for Jesus. They were pursuing him with kind of aggressive fervor. And all that tells me is that retreat was never going to come easy for Jesus. 
because people were aggressively hunting him. They wanted him to fulfill their needs. They wanted, they needed him. They were going to pursue him. You're not Jesus, but the same is true for us. There's always going to be something or someone, some responsibility that's hunting for us, that's pulling us. And I've done this myself. And I know you have. I talk to people all the time who say, I don't have time to disengage because there's just too much to do. I feel too responsible at home or at work or both at home and at work. But the truth of the matter is if Jesus, who is the son of God, who was hunted, pursued, could take time to climb mountains and be alone as well as be engaged, then we have zero excuse. I want to call you at this point in your life to think about the rhythms of your life and your rhythms must include retreat and advance, disengagement and engagement. So I want you to think about where you're prone. Many of us in our Western world and our modern world are, are prone to advance, 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 advance. You might, though, have a personality type that is prone to disengage or to retreat. Wherever you find yourself in terms of a natural center of gravity, for me, it is engage, 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 advance, 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 advance. I know the call of God for me is to learn how to retreat and to disengage. It is like cure medicine for my soul. Jesus had to do the same. It's never going to be easy to disengage. You just have to make a choice. It's one of the reasons why I think Sabbath keeping is so important. It's one of the reasons why I protect Saturdays with everything that I have because I'm doing stuff the other six days. I got to choose. I got to pick a day where I just decide I'm not going to be a unit of productivity. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to measure things. I'm not going to make things happen because I need to know that God can do his work without me always engaging. If that's you, I want to challenge you to think about the rhythms of your life. Now, if you have the different engagement, if this is the rhythm for you is one of avoidance, and then the message here is to, to engage, to get, get connected, to stay connected to work and, and responsibility. So listen to the invitation in your life. What I know Jesus did was he knew how to do both. And I believe that as we live our lives, we have to learn how to have the rhythm of engagement and disengagement retreat, advance. God bless you. Go in peace. Listen to the Spirit today, this week. Amen. Amen.